Are you ready? Are you ready for September? 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 Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership with Phelps Game Calls and Spree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for the June installment of School of September, and uh, I'm actually sitting here in person. This is the first in-person studio we've done uh, since last August, I believe. So welcome, Dirk Durham. Oh, hey there. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool having somebody live and in person because it's it's uh, it's usually just me. I get a little lonely here in the Broken Time. What do you think of the new Broken Time studio, man? Yeah, it's, it's mobile. It's, it's very mobile. It's nice. <laughs> it's got a fridge. Very nice. It's got a fridge for beverages. Uh, you got a, a mocha stand, basically. Um, yeah. 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 That's uh, my wife's. I don't know how to turn that on, but she knows how to work it pretty uh-huh. good. I can I thought you were kind of a barista. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I dress like one, but I I don't I just I just don't know how to use the machine. <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, I thought it was weird when you came to the door wearing a thong and those little pasties. It happens. Welcome, you know? welcome to my neck of the woods, buddy. I mean, we get crazy out here. Yeah. Hey, when you live out in the forest like this, it's uh, your mind kind of goes. It slips. Yeah. And it so, slips early. And so close to Montana. I mean, exactly. You exactly. Know, everything's legal there. <laughs> Well, guys, like I said, this is the June installment of the School of September, and we are going to talk about some uh, – since we have the bugler himself, we're going to talk about elk calling uh, and go through some of these um, – I don't know. We're, we're just going to go back and forth, a little elk calling banter. Sure. Um, and I have a black bat read for you right there if you need to use that to call. Call um, elk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, I do have a read. Okay. Um. So I want to talk about – we were talking before you started recording and yep. – or before we started recording, whatever. Um, okay, I got cut off there. So um, we're back. We're back in action. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about some of the calling stuff that we were talking about before we hit record because you were talking about how – where you were hunting last year, um, you had – how did you describe it? They sounded like they were abusing a dog. It sounded like and, they were abusing puppies or something. Yeah. Like they had a little wiener dog or something, and they were, like, torturing it. Um, in no way, shape, or form did it sound like an elk call. Huh. And I mean, I get it. I mean, you can't you can't make an elk call. Not everybody, you know, can do it. Okay. Well, don't. <coughs> do you? If, if you can't, don't. I mean, there's plenty of information that lets you know what an elk sounds like. Yeah. But if you don't sound anything like an elk... Don't do it. Don't call. What is your take on that? Like, what, what is your take on um, if if somebody's are they educating elk in a bad way? Are yeah, they absolutely? Is that is that what you think? Absolutely. I think so too. You no, know, and it was man, I was so frustrated. This this unit I was hunting here in Idaho. Then um, you know I've hunted around a lot of people and over the counter units and um, but this one took the cake, man. It almost almost every day we'd have have guys out there we'd call them in get them coming our way and they'd be blowing calls and they sounded terrible mm-hmm. not it wasn't just like oh yeah that's that old three note you know doug flutie it was yeah. they were making noises that didn't even sound like an elk call really and you know they were hunters i seen them a few times they were wearing camo and were carrying bows it wasn't some jerks out there dinking around mm-hmm. um but i just i don't i don't get the idea of like, okay, I'm going to just go out in the woods and try to hunt and blow this call and make some weird-ass noises that don't even sound like an elk. Do you, do you feel like people, they they get this bug to go elk hunting, right? And and they've never done it before. 
Uh, and I don't care if they're from back east, the Midwest, or they live out west right. in elk country. Right. It because it, a lot of people want to always blame that on non-residents. Yeah. But look, I I met some guys last year. They were they were like from Pennsylvania. Uh huh. And they were good ass callers, man. They were really good callers. Guys from Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean. They know they're they're hardcore hunters. Yeah, they they, they, they take it serious. They and these are. guys were serious. They came out to I don't know why in the world with all the states in the West you would come to <laughs> North Idaho from Pennsylvania. But they probably that's the only place they could probably get it. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, anyway, the point is it's not always like a non-resident thing. It, no. it could be anybody. But like I feel like they get this bug to go elk hunting. They've never really done it. They've never applied any real practice to the calling part of it. Um, and it kind of what my takeaway from that is it's not just bad for them. It affects everybody. I, I was just talking, it was Tom Schneider uh, from Stuck in the Rut, and we yeah. were talking about you know people that mess it up for everybody else because of their, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, their ignorance on whatever species they're going after, right? Absolutely. And, and so that's what we're trying to hear on the Western Huntsman podcast, the school of September. We're going to try to help everybody because... What is that saying? Loose ships sink ships. Yeah. No, 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 no. Raising tide raises all ships, right? <laughs> uh, ra- yeah, yeah. Rising yep, tide. Yeah. Rising tides. <laughs> rising tides raises all ships. Yeah. Uh, just a forewarning, folks. It is uh, pretty early in the morning. We have not had enough coffee, and I should have filled this up before we hit record. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we'll be all right though. We'll be. We'll survive. We'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I take. Me and then anybody else that does any kind of like elk hunting education or whatever, that you have these guys that are like, hey, you guys are ruining and you're ruining elk hunting for everybody. You shouldn't tell people all these secrets. It took me 30 years to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And my answer is, why do you want a bunch of people that have no idea what they're doing, stomping around the woods, screwing it up, blowing their calls wrong, making weird noises that don't even sound right? Why do you want people like that? Everywhere in the woods, they're going to be there anyway. Yeah, you might as well kind of teach them to be more of a low impact hunter mm-hmm. and learn teach them how to use the calls properly to where they kind of sound like an elk, and then get in, get out, chase some elk around, but then not just completely blow it up. I mean, yeah, I feel like a a, a, a well educated hunter or a or a semi educated hunter, um, I would rather have those guys around me any day than people that are out there abusing puppies with their elk calls <laughs> <laughs> with their little chihuahua yeah yeah it's i i i couldn't agree more and that's that's what because i've i've heard that too um yeah you know it's it's ruining hunting and and that and i hear a lot of people accuse onyx of ruining hunting because it's given people the ability to e-scout and get in the right areas um i you know whatever with that like you said they're going to be out there anyway you know, people people that are interested in hunting uh, are not just exposed to some YouTube video and decide to uh, go uh, drop a small fortune on, on getting involved in, in elk hunting, right? They're 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 probably already leaning towards it anyway, right? Right. And so, like you said, if if you've got everybody out there sounding like Doug Flutie, um, educating these elk, and not that I don't think elk are super intuitive in, into the fact where like they'll remember it the next year. But like after week one September, they know they, they're pretty learned up. Yeah, they're they're pretty well educated for the rest of the the bow season at least. Yeah. you know. And so, um, what what are they? Can you describe strategically what are they doing wrong? Does that make sense? Like what I, I know they we we agree that they sound like a wet puppy because mm-hmm. I I've had the discussion too. I, I know this question just kind of keeps going, but I'll get to it. <laughs> um. I've had the discussion where it's like you've got you've got the one aspect where people they have no emotion in their call. They just think an elk does this, doodle doodle do, or beer, what whatever. There's just right. like one tone or the the very generic tone, and there it's the same emotion whether they're getting a response or not. There's just no emotion. Right. They're not communicating. They're just making sounds. Right. 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 And then you have the people like you said that sound like a wet puppy. Um, and I don't even know how to mimic it and I'm not going to try it. Right. Um, can you describe like, what is, what are, what are the mistakes that people are making, especially on the wet puppy side? (laughs) Um, 
those guys are the ones that pick up their elk calls on the way, from Walmart on the way to the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I'm going elk hunting. I better buy some elk calls, and they grab whatever Walmart's got, and they take them. And then they're like, I've never even blown this call before. And how, how how hard could it be? And then they go to the woods, and they're like, Yeah, I think I heard an elk bugle on TV or something. But mm-hmm. then they go out there, and they blow these calls. I think there's that. And yeah. then I think there's a lot of people out there. Um, there's a lot of people that are going to sit there and tell you, oh, yeah, don't ever bugle like a big bull. Um, <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, yeah. You scare them away. Just give them spike squeals. Yeah. Just give them some little spike squeals. Yeah. Well, I'm still, I'm, I've been doing this. This will be my 33rd fall this fall doing this. And I haven't really heard a bunch of spike squeals. I mean, we're not hunting no. pigs, right? I mean, of course, spikes will make some weird ass bugles, but most of the time they're like a, (laughs) you know, almost like sound like a 13 year old boy going through puberty. You know, they Mm -hmm. got this weird, you know, voice that doesn't know what to do and how to say it. And that's usually what I hear out of a spike. Sometimes though, I will say, you know, (coughs) everything's not always the same. You know, you may have a spike that bugles pretty good. I've, I've had that too, but I just haven't really had them squealing around like a pig or something. I heard I heard one cow call once. Well, it was obviously it's a spike, so it's not cow call, but he mewed. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I called in a, then, a pretty damn nice five point last year in New Mexico, and he came in and he he mewed like a little calf. Yeah, he, he got about five yards. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to shoot him, and he just like, mm-hmm. it's so light you could barely even hear it. Um, so that is funny. It's crazy. It's crazy what. Yeah, but it did sound like an elk. It didn't sound like a puppy. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a wet puppy. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's that whole thing, you know that pe- there's a lot of people out there that say you know tell tell new hunters you know and they listen you know maybe Grandpa Joe yeah you don't want to bugle too big or you don't want to do this you don't want to do that and I always tell people bugle and call to the disposition of the elk if that bull sounds giant and pissed. You need to bugle at him kind of giant and pissed. Yeah. If he sounds kind of wimpy and that's the way you should call to him. Because then he sees you as a peer. You're not like somebody bigger than him. Hmm. But because what I found a lot of times, even big bulls will kind of bugle kind of weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of pester him and poke the bear for a while, um, the dragon comes out, right? Yeah. They finally get mad and then. Then when they get mad, you're just like, whoa, you can hear like their bugle changing. It may even sound like a complete different elk, but they change. And they, now you've got him mad. Now you can start bugling mad, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, they just try to rush to the to a home run right off the bat. You know, it's you got to kind of, you know. What do you, you mean? What do you mean by that? They well, rush to a home run. Well, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like when you're 16 years old and you pick up the date, your date for prom, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just walk up on the front step and when the dad opens the door, you don't just French her right there. <laughs> I mean, you know. Wait, you, can you French the dad? Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe if you're that way. But, if you're but, in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Montana. Montana. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, uh, yeah, you have to shake the dad's hand. Hello, sir. Yeah. And compliment your date and put her corsage on and hold her hand and dance. And I mean, you don't, you can't just rush to the end. You, can't, you just can't rush to the good part, right? You have to build, you have to build the tension between you and the bull. Let's, I, I want to break that down for a minute. Um, when, can you give us an idea of like in your mind, time frame? Of let's say you 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 send out like a locator bugle right and mm-hmm. you get you get a response and it's just a real casual yeah kind of response you know they just right. kind of let you know hey I'm over here, um, and 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 this is where the finesse starts. Uh, see and and I would agree with what you're saying. A lot of people, I well I don't know if a lot of people, but I've heard this a few times where where somebody will respond to the bull's response with like a big giant nasty challenge bugle right there. Right. Um, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, that's, that's what you're here for. You're, you're, you're my personal hunting, uh, guide, right? Yeah. <laughs> In this situation, what I would do when he, when he does that little meow, I wouldn't make a sound. I would just, I would try to get close and then I just make another light little locating bugle or something like that. Uh, and I'm not trying to offend him at that point. Right. Right. Can you walk us through that scenario and, and the time frame? It's not. 
I guess what I'm trying to portray is it's not 30 seconds from a a you know a casual response from a bull to a fired up bull. Right. Like this can be an hour or two sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, can you can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's funny. You hear that a lot. People say, you know, oh yeah, and then I hit him with a challenge bugle, and nothing happened. Yeah. But all the time. Um, you know, elk are different than people, but. I have to, I have to feel like there's, you know, a lot of similarities between people and conversation, right? You don't just walk up to some guy and and you say hey and he says hey and you're like, you know, you yeah. start yelling at him. He's gonna be like, what the heck's wrong with this crazy person? Yeah. If you were to walk up to somebody and say hey, how's it going? And then you start a, a conversation and then maybe you disrespect them a little bit. You give them, you know. You, you, you say something a little off color or whatever, or something that would maybe offend them, but mm-hmm. not a lot. Mm-hmm. And this guy don't want to fight, but you kind of start saying some things to him little by little. And pretty soon you've tricked him into being mad and to fight. I mean, you can, you can start slowly push, push people's buttons mm-hmm. in that same way. Um, to where they have, they're like they're a person that would never fight anybody. But if you kept badgering them, kept poking them a little bit, and pretty soon you get them mad enough, they're gonna come and sock you in the face. Mm-hmm. And when they maybe whenever they're like, "Hey, you shut up and leave me alone," and if you start really laying the insults on, at that point, a lot of times for people and a lot of times for elk, logic goes out the window, right? Got they it. They, yeah. don't, they see red. Yeah, yeah. They see red. They're ready to fight. They're gonna come punch you in the nose. Bull's going to come over and whip your ass. I feel like I, that's that's kind of how I see kind of how I see it, you know, and, and every situation is different. Every scenario is different. Every bull's different. But that's kind of where where I'm at in my head when I start calling to a bull. Right. I want to experiment and see what he answers to. Number one, whatever kind of call he answers to, I'm going to keep doing that call. So. You're, you're going to keep doing that call, and you're going to wait for him to escalate? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I'll let so him he'll, escalate. He'll escalate. It. Yeah, most of the time, I'll try to let them escalate. And when they let escalate, I escalate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works like a charm, and sometimes it doesn't. He's not ready to fight yet. So, it, like I say, every every situation is different. But, yeah, I like to let, let the, the bull escalate, and then I escalate, and then kind of slowly or or just kind of go from there. Sometimes it goes quick. Sometimes you still got to mess with them for a while. But back to the like, you know, you said, okay, you heard the bugle. What are you going to do? Usually, unless I, if I've pinpointed exactly where he is, even after just one bugle, I usually won't go right then. Mm-hmm. I'll, I want to get like two or three more, you know, bugles out of him just to be sure. Some, sometimes you'll get a bull that just answers once and then. Where was that? I don't like know. never again. I don't hear even, from. Yeah, yeah and I aliens abduct him. Right, but if I can get three answers mm. back, you know, um, and it's like, okay, I know where he's at. He's over on that ridge. Yada yada. Okay, now I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna get over there and get close. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look on my Onyx. I'm gonna look. And, I'm at, here's where the cheating part comes in. <laughs> <laughs> look on my Onyx. Look at the uh, satellite imagery. Oh, there's a little uh, glade over there. Oh, there's a big rock. Um, oh, there's the ridge. Yep, yep. That's where it sounded like he was at. Make a mark. Bam. Now I don't say another word. Can I ask you a dumb question yeah. real quick on that? When when you're doing that, are you do you have that uh, hybrid view on the Onyx where it's showing you the elevation lines, uh, or or you do how do you have your set on that? Because I I think the the elevation tells me a lot, and so I'm curious how you mm-hmm. do it. Well, I I. I play with my phone like I'm playing Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> po- Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, man. It's not Pokemon. I didn't know it was Jamaican. <laughs> it's a Pokemon. Anyway, yeah, I, I I go back and forth between layers. Usually, I find them without the hybrid. I I, I look at the 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 satellite imagery, mm-hmm. figure out you know the terrain, whatever, um, what it looks like on the satellite imagery. Then I just skip over that. Um, the hybrid and go right to the topos and then i look at the lines there and be like oh well, there's a little feature there it looks like there's a little bench yeah or a saddle he's in a saddle or, or whatever the train feature is like okay i make my marks and then i and then i head over there and i don't say another word till i get over there and i want to put i want him to play my game it seems like anytime i play the bulls game 
I kind of lose. The bull right? wins, yeah. The bull wins. He's he's making you play his game. So I really want him to play my game. So I go over there. I get on the right level. I try to get on the same contour line as him. I don't want to mm-hmm. be above him. I don't want to be below him. I want him to be super easy for him to walk straight a straight line to me. Um, also, I want that you know play the crosswind. If he goes up, I can go up. If he goes down, I can go down. You know, just like keep that distance between us. Yeah. Um. And and, and play that wind because if you go, if you go at him from below, if you, the wind changes, it's a game over deal. Yeah. And vice versa if you come in above. And sometimes you just have to just because the terrain features and where they're at. And you may have to roll the dice and if it's the last day of season or a couple days yeah. before you got to be gone. You gotta Hell kinda, Mary, man. you got to just go all in. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. take some risks. But most, most of the time I don't. A lot of times if i got lots of time to hunt, I just do not take those risks on, on the wind. I on will wait. I'll sit. Sometimes I'll get over there. I'm like, man, this wind sucks. I'm not going to make a peep for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening, trying to figure out where he's at. And then after the wind gets right, I call. And sometimes ever, he's moved on, and I have to try to find him again. Have you ever Have you ever been doing that in, in that situation where where it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna give it some time. You know, two hours go by, and all of a sudden that bull chimes in, looking for you, wondering where you went. Yeah, that that happened to me last year a oh, couple yeah. times. Anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of times, especially if like. We've been bugling back and forth for a bit, uh-huh. and the wind just gets bad, and I back out. And I'm like, i got to get out of here. I'll, I'll turn right around, and I'll sprint the opposite direction, away from yeah, the yeah. bull because the wind's bad. I was like, i got to get out of here before <laughs> the bull wins me, and I'll get over there, and I'll shut up. And a lot of times, that bull will just like start hammering because you've kind of freaked him out a little bit. He's like, where is he? Is he sneaking in on me? Where mm-hmm. is that other bull at? And they kind of get a little bit you know, nervous. They want to know where you're at. Sure. And, and sometimes we do that on purpose anyway. It's like they've been kind of like dragging their feet a little bit, if, especially if they clam up on me, you know, mm-hmm. calling to bulls. A lot of times the guys are like, yeah, I'm calling this bull, and they, they clammed up. And I don't know whatever happened. I just kept bugling and bugling, and, and I don't know what happened. If they do that to me, a lot of times I'll just I'll sit down and sit there for 30 minutes. And, and see if they chime in. And, and if you give them the silent treatment for a while, they get yeah, nervous. They get if you keep calling, they know exactly where you are. But yeah. if you shut up, then both of you are like, oh, where's he at? I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. And then sometimes that'll get them going again. Is that a rule that would change from like early morning hunting versus midday hunting to, to evening? Like the, the you, clam up? Yeah, thing? the clam up thing. Um, cause I, I, I guess what I, I'm asking some of these questions and I'm, I'm imagining this, this whole midday thing because mm-hmm. I, I love hunting the midday. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and I, I guess actually that's not going to be a really good question. And, and the reason is, is because what the elk are doing in the early morning versus, uh, like the evening versus the middle of, of the day is going to be super different in right. s- different areas. Like I imagine those, uh, what, like habitually, what was the biggest difference you saw hunting New Mexico versus like North Idaho? Um, the biggest difference was midday. Those a lot of times, just in the area we were at, um, those elk would lay down for an hour maybe uh-huh. in the middle of the day. Once they hit, they went and laid down for their bed, you know, and it may be at seven thirty in the morning. I mean, we'd have yeah. maybe an hour and a half to to call to them, and like by seven thirty or eight o'clock, it's a ghost town. They're done. Hmm. But they don't lay there. A lot of times they would not lay in the same bed all day long. They'd move. They would move. They'd lay there for an hour, and then you're like, ha ha, I got you suckers. And you get over there, and it was, they were all gone. And you, huh. you hadn't bumped them. But I, I feel like I have a couple theories. It's either they don't have enough shade. Those little weird pinion juniper cedar trees, you know, they don't have give enough shade. And as the sun moves, they get exposed, and they're like, okay, we got to move. we got to go find somewhere else shadier. That yeah. makes sense. Or it's so damn rocky they can't <laughs> they can't get comfortable enough to lay there for they, an hour. Yeah, you know? they need to they, they need to shift around. That makes sense. The, what you said about the trees too. I mean, we're not talking about 60, 70 foot pines. The, these are no. These are very low shade. Okay. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. In 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 more western you know northwestern states like North Idaho or even South Idaho or mm-hmm. or Montana or Wyoming or whatever. You get on those north north slopes, you'll find a bench, you'll find a bedding area. It looks like elk have been bedding there since the dawn of time, yep. right? It's just the perfect spot. Elk 
elk use the same beds they used a hundred years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And we, you know, I didn't see those kind of places in New Mexico, at least where we were hunting. You know, maybe other areas, you know, there would, you know, have those kind of features, but mm-hmm. you just didn't see those dugout flat beds um, in dark shady spots. There just wasn't a lot of dark shady spots, so mm-hmm. that's kind of lend me to think that. They get a little bit too warm. They get up and they move. They get antsy. Maybe yeah, they even go and, Maybe even then go hit the wallow and get some water and then go lay in a different spot, you know, for mm. a while. Um, but that, yeah, that's always interesting, man. I've, I, I'd, I'd be nervous hunting somewhere like that because it's such a different landscape as to what what I'm used to. God, can you believe this rain, man? I keep oh, looking out the window because I'm, I'm kind of getting nervous about this puddle outside the trailer here. Yeah, you've basically got a, a pond now. Like, we need a boat to get out of here. It's going to yeah. be... It, Break yeah. out your bass rods, man. <laughs> my, my, my girl's caught a big-ass toad in it. Uh, <laughs> the last time it rained, which was, you know, like two days ago. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, um, off, off topic, but yeah, it has been a freaking wet. Actually, that leads me to a question. Uh, this has been the wettest spring I've ever seen in North Idaho. Like, yeah. it has just been constant rain. Um, the rivers are higher than I've seen them in a long time. Uh, how is this moisture going to affect the elk in your opinion? Like not, I don't, I don't mean like antler size and all that. I mean like just behaviorally, have you ever noticed that these weather, weather patterns change the way they behave come September? Does that make sense? I know it's like a, I have a theory. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear you. That's, this is what we're talking about. And it might be complete BS, right? But I have a theory. Uh, so in Idaho, we have huckleberries, mm-hmm. huckleberries, right? And when it's a bomber year for huckleberries, so you're in July, August, and there's huckleberries everywhere, big huckleberries everywhere, thick. If it's a banner huckleberry year, I always say, they aren't going to bugle for crap this year. Really? Yeah. See, it's going to be that kind of huckleberry year, too. It, it might be. If it's that wet and if it doesn't get hot this summer and dry uh-huh. everything out, um, it may be a banner huckleberry year. And the theory behind that is when there's so much moisture all summer long, uh-huh. there's feed everywhere. Elk are more distributed through the landscape, and they have good feed everywhere. They don't have to concentrate. On a drought year, I prefer a drought year because a drought year, that there's going to be select feed in select places. All the elk. Yeah, but then you got to deal with the damn wildfires in the smoky skies that I feel like shuts I them know, up. I know. There, there's a balance there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Where there's everything in the West didn't burn up, okay, but it's still pretty dry. Mm-hmm. Um, those elk seem to concentrate on, you know, food source. It's all about feed, yeah, right? Yeah, so, true. Um, I feel like you find more elk congregated in one spot. Um, there's more competition when there's more elk congregated in one spot, more bulls fighting for those, those cows. And there's just, you know, let's face it, North Idaho is just don't, they don't have a big elk population like other places. So there can be some pretty, pretty good rut action in these little pockets, but you may have to go a long ways in between pocket to find an elk. Yeah. There'll be a lot of lonesome country where you don't hear nothing. And then bam, there's six bulls in this drainage. Huh? But the last 20 miles there, you haven't, you have 20 miles of drainage, you haven't heard nothing. That, now, that's just my anecdotal experience from where I've hunted. But uh, I feel like it's it's all about the moisture and good feed content. If there's lots of feed everywhere, those elk could be anywhere instead mm-hmm. of like having to be in those. those, those yeah, spots. yeah. Where, like you said, kind of uh, overpopulates them in certain yeah. little areas, pockets, and, and whatnot. Yeah, and if a bull yeah. don't have a, any other bulls around for the last three weeks and he has cows and it's still, you know, September 20th and he should be ripping big bugles, but he's not really super Mm -hmm. aggressive. He hasn't really been tested a lot. Maybe he's not, you know, you don't feel like he has to defend that hard versus having a lot of bulls around. Man, I hope it's not that kind of year. Um, I guess I'll stock up on a shitload of huckleberries though. Yeah. That's always good. Yeah. If I can't get elk meat, I'll get some huckleberry pancakes. Right, yeah. Do. Yeah. Just <laughs> quarter them up and yeah, <laughs> pack, pack them out. out that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, I, I want to go back to what we were talking about before where, um, it, like, calling in an elk. And we, we hear all these, Doug, we, we might have to play that Doug Flutie song before we wrap this up too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, when, it, when we're talking about vocalizing elk and, and we're, we're, we're communicating with an elk and, and blah, blah, blah. I kind of feel like we were 
maybe referencing um, satellite bowls. What what changes in your mind satellite bowl and it did not pertain to what we were talking about earlier, just like generally, do you feel like changes in your mind from like calling it a satellite bowl versus a uh, uh, a big herd bowl? Because a lot of people are totally fine with a little raghorn, right? Right. Like I'd, I'd shoot a raghorn. Um, right. uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm good with a raghorn. Sure. I'm not, I'm not Dirk Durham where, you know, you just notch tags like, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, and, and also maybe if somebody wants to just call in a spike, like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of not, I don't care if people shoot spikes, but I don't want to shoot a spike. Right. right? But some people that's, that's sure. totally fine. They need to fill, fill the freezer. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Cool. So I'm not judging no. that it's, it's just, you know, I want to pursue something a little bit bigger. Right. Makes sense how I asked that, or did I confuse Yeah, so more? am I going to call different, <laughs> like, how, how am I going to target, like, a big bull versus a, a regular like exactly. a, a satellite bull, yep. raghorn spike? Um, a lot of the, I've, I've shot a lot of spikes in, the, in my day, and it's usually been coincidental to, like, calling to other bulls. And it tastes good. And they, <laughs> oh, dude, they're the best. Yeah. So delicious. Just not a lot of, no, mm-hmm. the meats, there's a lot less meat. Yeah. But there's the best meat. But, um. Usually I'm calling to other bulls and spikes will come in like, are you my father? You know, they're, they're curious. A lot of times spikes will get kicked, like, especially if it's they're the big bulls rutting pretty hard, you know, he's not going to let, you know, any of the raghorns hang out in the herd. Typically. I mean, you go to Colorado and there's 300 elk in a herd, you know, maybe, maybe they'll allow it. Yeah. But around here, um, they don't allow raghorns to hang out in the herd usually because they're just not that many elk. And they kick the raghorns out. Sometimes the spikes will feel unwelcome and leave the herd, but they'll kind of shadow the herd, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of in this voyeuristic way, as I would explain it. You know, they're <laughs> always watching and trying to learn how to be an elk, I think, really. Yeah. And a lot of times when I'm calling to, you know, whatever the, the bull is, could, a herd bull could be a four or five point here in, in North Idaho. Um if I'm calling to that bull, sometimes you have to keep your head on a swivel because you kind of hear some leaves rush rustling and maybe a stick pop. I've had so many times where you kind of like turn and there's a spike standing there watching you, and they may watch you for a while. They're they're not the smartest animal. They don't know. Yeah, they're not as skittish, are they? Right. They don't know what you are. They don't maybe know to be afraid of you, especially since you've been making elk noises. Mm-hmm. So um, people who are hunting those spike only units, you know, how, how would I target a spike, you know, and, and the guy that has the big bull tags probably going to want to punch me in the face for saying that. But if you're messing around with the, the big bull and calling to him and the cows and stuff, a lot of times those spikes, they're lingering on the edge of the, of the, of the herd are going to, they're going to want to come over and check you out. You know, Oh, I hear some I, calling. I'm going to go see who that is. Oh, what are they doing? I'm, you know, I feel like they're like a, a teenage kid that's just trying to figure they out are, how to be yeah. They're, they're just, they don't know yet. They don't and, know what to do. And they're going to come watch. And sometimes they may bugle. A lot of times they just walk around quietly, you know. Or sometimes I've had them where they just come running. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, maybe my mom's over there. And they'll just come like beat feet. They'll gallop right up to you. Yeah. And you kind of feel bad to shoot them. But, <laughs> but man, that steak's good. I made this little, I, I was like, meow, little cow call. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding you, man. Uh, I mean, 10 seconds. It was it was ten seconds. This little spike comes bursting out of the brush. He must have just been standing there. Comes bursting out of the brush, almost runs me over, mm-hmm. and as he gets up to me, kind of notices me, turns around and runs back, and then he starts squawking at me from behind the brush. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Not the squeal, not the squeal right. that people describe. Yeah, he was like right. he was doing those cow sounds, like meh, meh. Yeah, like kind of whiny. A lot of times there'll be those cow sounds. Yeah, making. yeah, yeah. But I've had big bulls make the some really beautiful cow sounds yeah not, not just like that little one I, we talked about earlier but just I'm like that's a that's a people, mature cow over there dude people should hear that too like in one way to do that is i know like in post falls idaho there's this uh, elk farm okay where you can go feed the elk some carrots or whatever uh-huh. and there i mean they're these uh, one of them's like a three freaking hundred class plus bull and it's super cool uh but when you show up and you, you get out with a bag of carrots, they know it, right? Yeah. They're just in this fenced area, and they get pretty excited, and they start mewing like cows. Uh-huh. And it sounds like a bunch of – a herd of cows, but these are all bulls. Right. And so it's it's actually pretty educational. And I know there's there's elk farms all over the place that people can go maybe check that out. I don't I don't know what, what they are, but if, if you have the opportunity, it's interesting hearing – 
those sounds come out because it just teaches you that there's a lot more to everybody just thinks that a bull is going to bugle, right? right? And right. and sometimes their communication is a lot more subtle. And I've actually seen that. Um, I've, I've watched from a distance big bulls kind of mew at cows in mm-hmm. September. Yep. Um, so they're not just bugling at them. Like we've all seen that, that trail cam video of that. The, here comes the elk, you know, and then that yeah. little raghorn comes up, and then all of a sudden the big Mac Daddy bull comes up and just bugles, and it Sounds just like Godzilla. Vibra- yeah, Godzilla showed up. <laughs> we, yeah. And that's what we all imagine, but sometimes they're pushing these cows around just with a mule. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I had a big, big bull one day, and he right before he bugle, every single time he'd go, meh, and then he would bugle every time, meh, uh. and then he would just scream. I'm like, wow. And then... Once I figured out he didn't even have any cows, I, I got mm-hmm. finally got close to him and I seen him do it. I'm like, that's the weirdest <laughs> thing. Ever. Why would he like cow call and then scream? Uh huh. But he wasn't huh. cow calling. He was mewing. Yeah, he's just mewing. It's yeah. Basically a mew. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, well, I know we got a we Dirk and I just for you guys listening, we we're off. Uh, we got to head out. We have an we have an appointment, right? Yes. Um. And so we got to wrap this up pretty quick, but uh, just to kind of get rounding out, and I apologize again for the short episode here, uh, but but just to round out kind of how we started talking, um, the whole Doug Flutie thing, and yeah. and the the lack of emotion in the calling, the inappropriate calling, the 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 times that people are calling. Mm-hmm. Do you have do you have like a an opinion as to what is the biggest no-no of all of them. Does that make sense? The the biggest sin in, in terms of uh, the the type of call uh, or or just the emotion in the call. I, I'm just trying to. I don't know how to word that right. Right. But right. I think the the biggest sin is just making sounds that don't sound like actual elk. Educate yourself. Um, spend some time. I mean, if you if you're just unsure, spend some time watching videos. Uh, spend some time with your calls, trying to mimic the elk. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to get on there and try to mimic your favorite uh, YouTube personality. You know, get on YouTube and watch actual elk. There's tons of videos of elk being elk in national parks and stuff, and bugling and cows making all sorts of noises and stuff. Watch that. When the elk bugles, you bugle. When the cows mew, you mew. Whatever. Um, that way, you actually know that you're like trying to make the right sounds and you can't do this on august 25th you do this on february 25th yeah you know you yeah. start practicing well in advance that way you, you know you're making the appropriate sounds okay and then um you're going to be doing yourself a favor now if you can't do that maybe if you just like you know what i've tried every single call there is i don't like it i'm not comfortable i don't, I don't feel confident in it whatever maybe calling's not for you and I'll and I'll say you know I've said this before and I'll say it a hundred times you know the 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 spot and stock guys you know they probably kill m- way more bigger bulls than the guys that call right mm-hmm. it's not the same game it is it can be very adrenaline charged it can be like a lot of like man it can be really stressful sneaking in on a big bull you know with, you know hoping everything lines up and clicks and you you haven't made a sound and you shoot them it's awesome right mm-hmm. that's not my game but that's a deadly game especially in the right areas you know north yeah. idaho is pretty tough to do that that is so tough to thick. do that. i was gonna say so thick but our, my buddy dan staten i was gonna say doesn't dan do does, that all the he time he does a lot of that he calls it yeah. bubble hunting he'll get in close or he'll get like he'll get as close as he can and if he sees a cow he stops if he has a cow in bow range he stops and just sits there and waits because he knows that bull the possibility of that bull coming around and checking that cow or trying to push her away up where wherever they're wanting to go mm-hmm. um, is really good and he does really great with that um that dude is an animal man yeah. i've said it before did you ever did you see that video that he put out where they're I, i'm not sure i think they're in idaho but the these dudes like corral these elk in this, oh, yeah. this field yeah, or whatever yeah. is that south idaho yeah that was nuts, man, because they, the one dude was pretty close to a bull too. Yeah. Um. And but but they've got like these elk trapped in this fenced area. Fenced area. It's where such there bullshit. Was like a, it was like a um, alfalfa field. Yeah. With a yeah. big uh, irrigation pivot. Mm-hmm. And they there's like a couple different way like there's like one way in and one way out and these guys were waiting in like these 
so-called hunters. I wouldn't even call them hunters. Yeah, I they're not them, hunters. I call them assholes is what yeah. I call them. Yeah. But they, they post up and anywhere an elk could possibly get out. They get in there in the, in the dark, and then as it gets light, then these elk are kind of just running around inside this fenced area, and they're just trying to, like, shoot fish in a barrel, right? Yeah. But, but the good thing is they were bow hunting where it's still – you still have to be able to hit an elk, right? And those yeah. elk were running around. But it was just – it was disgusting watching people yeah, do that. Yeah, it totally like, was. They what? had the truck parked blocking the blocking one exit. Blocking one of the exits. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. just like those guys ought to be – have their, their hunting license revoked forever. I mean, that's that's not a it's not ethical. It's not yeah. okay. I don't even think it's legal. I don't think it's I, I don't I don't, I don't know, know the legalities of it, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be no. legal. And, and that gives everybody a black eye. It's not good for anybody. I think it's one of those things like that. If if you're a game warden or your Idaho fishing game or whatever, who sits around and thinks about okay, we got to come up with a law <laughs> for jackasses that right. block the exits and entry points mm-hmm. to a pasture or I'm I'm sorry, a, a, you know, an alfalfa field or whatever. Right. Um, you know, so the, I don't know that there, there's a law in place, but it, right. it does go against, you know, all the, all the discussions around like fair chase and all that shit. Right. Um, it, it's just, yeah, that video made me sick. Yeah. But yeah, Dan Staten, you know, yeah. for those who haven't seen it, he was hunting in that area and he could see from a distance what was happening. So yep. he filmed it to document it. He turned the footage over the, the fishing game, but, but he was showing, you know, these unethical, people doing that and i think that was just like a huge black eye for for hunting you know, yeah that's, that's the kind that's, of stuff dude that the anti hunters will get a hold of yeah. that and they will eat that up yeah. and they will they will use it for propaganda they'll put it out to everybody yeah. for and and then anyway it ruins it for everybody yep. it ruins it for everybody so if 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 um if those dudes are listening be warned <laughs> we're watching we're watching we're watching you <laughs> <laughs> um I, I got us derailed there, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Um, elk hunting, man. What do you know about it? No, I'm kidding. Let's let's wrap it up with uh, talking about because I I always like the way you explain this. You have like a unique way of explaining this, but um, using emotion in the calls. Right? Oh yeah. We, yeah. we were we were talking about the Doug Flutie stuff. Right. But what about putting the right emotion in? I I, I think. Uh, I've been wanting to ask you this since I, I had uh, our buddy John Gabriel on right. uh, not long ago. Right. Um, talk about the emotion that you use in a call and and how what you recommend for other people. Does that right. make sense? Right. Right. I feel like I'm not on my A game yet. Yeah. I'm just like kind <laughs> it's of early broke. morning. Ah, man. <laughs> anyway, answer the question, dude. <laughs> yeah. So you know you kind of asked that question earlier about which is the worst sin. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Making stupid non-elk call sounds with your calls or just being that emotionless same old three note caller every time and it's more i like i said before i think it's more of a sin not to know how to make elk sounds with your elk calls that's mm-hmm. definitely a huge sin but um but the part where you know not putting any emotion in your calls and using the same old three note bugle over and over whether you trying to hear one bugle or a bull's just ripping at you and you just do that same old thing over and over you're more like doing a a disservice to yourself um because um you're not you're not gonna have as much maybe not as much luck calling that bull in if Mm -hmm. you're just not really getting with it with your emotion elk respond to emotion a lot of emotion in calls maybe you make that really pretty three note bugle it's like it sounds pretty good actually but it's always the same and same I've heard guys, well, I have said it before, my brother and I, when we first started hunting, you know, he didn't sound very good. He sounded pretty bad. Um, but they did sound like weird elk, you know, they sound like a weird elk bugle or a really j- super pissed off mm-hmm. elk, right? And man, elk responded really well to that. Because he had the emotion behind yeah, he it. Put he put the emotion the, behind it. Yeah. So, you know, when it, whenever I get to calling in a bull and it's finally like time to you know, escalate and I'm I'm giving it all I got. I will blow my call as hard as I can, and sometimes it'll distort and make a weird sound. I don't care. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm showing so you much emotion. Through it. It. You, yeah, you can just feel it's it's the it's the craziest thing. And and when we're talking about emotion, we're not talking about you know we're not putting a bunch of emotion into a locator call or some some muse, right? No. It, we're talking as things escalate. Like this last year, the the bull that I've talked about a million times, where I got my, in fact, I have that right here. So this is a shoulder mount for a Tacticam, right? Mm-hmm. And it mounts on my pack. Right. And well, the freaking brush pushed it down. Oh dang it! So when I pulled back on this bull, I, my my bow got caught in it, right? Oh shoot. Um, 
and the bull is, I mean, I, 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 less than 20 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's probably more like 20 feet and, and he's standing there in, in these, uh, these willows or whatever. Anyway, backing up when I bugled, I knew where he was. He was bedded up on top of this hill and I came up the best I could figure out wind wise to, to make this approach. He's bedded up there with cows. This is a herd bull. Mm-hmm. And when I, I, I kind of blasted him out of his bed, uh, cause we'd already, we'd already had a conversation, but I was a hundred 50, 200 yards back. So when I got close, I ended up getting closer than I thought I was when I bugled. Mm-hmm. But that sucker was freaking livid, man. Oh, yeah. And the emotion in his response to me, and it's it's almost like it wasn't – it was it was more like – you could almost hear that he's disappointed in himself for letting another bull get that close. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? That's oh, the yeah. sound I got. Yeah. And he was on top of me in 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's partly why I screwed it up is he just came in faster. He was closer than I thought. And I, I screwed the pooch. Um, that's the emotion I'm talking about, right? Right. right. Uh, um, any, anything you kind of want to add to, well, I use an analogy, uh, in those situations, situations, uh, for that, you know, calling it elk out of their bedroom. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. If you got a, if you got a crackhead on your sidewalk at your house and he's out there doing a bunch of stuff and like hollering and throwing beer bottles at your house, you're not going to let him hit the front door. Mm-hmm. You're going to stop him at the sidewalk, right? Yep. You're going to come out of there and you're not going to be nice. You're probably going to call him everything in the book, right? Yeah. You're going to, like, he's going to know there's going to be some fear, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the same thing for Elk. If that bull lets you into, if he thinks you're another bull, if he lets you into his bedroom, he knows his day's messed up because you might get in there, you're going to get the cows up, you may cut a couple out of there. He wants to stop you way before you get into his cows. Yeah. Because if he lets you pass that barrier, then it's going to be really hard for him to, like, regain control of that herd right so he's gonna catch you just right outside the bedroom and, it, and he's probably not gonna be really nice and you're gonna and if you say some really unkind things he's gonna boil out of there and want to fight <laughs> and it's it's so true too uh i love and that's why i wanted you to talk about that because I, I like the way you the way you describe it in in the way that kind of kind of everybody can pick apart and apply it right um and I like that process because it forces the bull to do something about it. Right. He cannot ignore you. Right. He can run and and lose lose some cows. Right. Uh, but he's not going to. Right. He's pissed. I have had him run though. I mean, I've, I have I mean, too. I've had and I've <laughs> and when the bull runs, if there's still cows right there, I run right through the middle of them. Oh really? Yeah. They, you know, it's not, a lot of. What do you old, mean? You 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 start trucking right up to yeah, them? Yeah, I don't care. Like I want those those cows to scatter and go every which way, right? Mm-hmm. I want to get in between those cows and that bull. If they those cows run off, that bull he don't, he knows they're he can hear them leaving. He he don't want to leave lose them. And a lot of times that really escalates things. Sometimes he'll turn right back around and just come boiling in like to fight. Hmm. You know, all the old timers they yep. say that uh, split the herd, right? Go in there. Oh yeah, their, yeah, yeah. Yeah, blow okay. blow up those cows, get them running all over the place, um, so that bull will come back in and want to fight. Well, um, I know it was a quick little session, but yeah. I mean, forty-five minutes is better than nothing, right? Yeah, that works. Yeah, we got to get on the road, dude. Hit the road, um, Jack. Hit the road, Jack. Uh, we'll end this with our uh, Doug Flutie went down to no, the devil went down to Idaho song. <laughs> For everybody's enjoy, I recorded this a long time ago, and I've been waiting to record with you so I could play it. Because I don't think I've done an episode with you where I didn't play a song. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to break the tradition. No. Yeah. I'm running out of ideas though after yeah. this one. Oh. Well, so. you, I'm an idea guy. <laughs> you are. You yeah. Just keep, just keep pumping yeah. them my way, brother. Double D consultant, right? <laughs> exactly. Right, Dirk <laughs> well, Durham. I appreciate it. Dirk Durham <laughs> is in the house, and that is a wrap. Enjoy. The devil went down to Idaho. Devil went down to Idaho, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind cause he was way behind, he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man blowing on a flute and playing hot. And the devil jumped upon a tamarack stuff, said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a bugle blower too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good bugle, boy, but give the devil his due. I better bugle a gold against your soul cause I think I'm better than you. 
The boy said, my name is Doug Flutie, and it might be a sin. But I'll take your bet you're gonna regret, cause I'm the best it's ever been. Doug it, pull your britches up and blow your bugle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Idaho when the devil deals in cards. And if you win, you get this shiny bugle made of gold. And if you lose, the devil gets you so. The devil licked his evil lips and he said, I'll start this show. And fire flew from his nipple nips as he set down his mighty bow. And he plopped his purple reed in his mouth and it made an evil hiss. Then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. When the devil finished, Flutie said, Well, you're pretty good, old son. But sit down in that chair right there. Let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mound, run, boys, run. <coughs> the devil's in the house of the rising sun. Well, chicken in the bread pan, if you can outgo. Really, this is down by no child. And he laid that golden bugle on the ground at Flutie's feet. Dougie said, Devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best it's ever been. He played fire on the mound, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house, he's rising sun. Well, chicken, you need to put the pan to pick it out, don't. Granny, there's a dog bite, no child, no. <laughs>